Good evening, good evening. Thank you so much for joining me. This is the podcast, The Endurance of Labor Laws. I'm your lovely host, Leslie Sullivan. Today is episode 269, and today we're going to take a look at what is called the Major League Baseball Players Association. So this is a union, but it is called a association. So those words are somewhat interchangeable. But it is the Major League Baseball Players Association, also known as MLBPA. So, but before we dive in, let me give a big shout out to my listeners because as usual, you guys are awesome. We love to see you here, and we've been gone for almost 2 weeks. So, we kind of had to regroup a little bit because we did film this originally, but I was like, well, I want to redo it because I don't I don't like I don't like just posting a podcast just to post a podcast. I want to make sure it's quality, I want to make sure it's good, and I want to make sure that it's it's something that that I believe in. You know what I mean? Because I believe in my work, everything I do, I do with integrity. And that's even outside of my work. You know, even in my my faith life, my personal life, you know whatever the case may be. Everything I do, I do with integrity. And you know, just because I can film an episode super quick and and post it really fast, that doesn't mean that it's quality. So that's why sometimes we are delayed in these because if I don't like the finished product, I'm like scrap it. We're going to redo it. And this particular episode we have actually redone I think four or five times because I was like, you know what? Something's missing. And then I'll come back to him like something's missing. Like I just get a feeling in my gut when I am supposed to post something and when I'm supposed to hold off and redo it. And so I know that that's the Holy Spirit guiding me there, so I'm very grateful for that. because I grow in my faith every day. But that that's one reason why this podcast ordinarily it's daily, but it's not always daily. And the reason for that is because we want to make sure that we're doing everything on our side of it to make sure that we are presenting good material and that it sounds right and that it and that it comes across the way that that we want it to come across. You know, our our listeners and our viewers, you guys are awesome. except for a couple that have been really mean on YouTube. <laughs> you know, but those people are trolls. But I'm assuming I'm speaking to the cream of the crop whenever I am speaking to you this way. But um, you know, we take it very seriously about what we post and we want to make sure that that we are doing everything we can to make sure that we are presenting material that we actually want to cover and that we believe in. And what I mean by what we believe in is not necessarily that Oh, we believe in this particular labor union and we believe in this federal agency. I don't mean it like that. I just mean in kind of a broader sense of believing in your work. It kind of reminds me of when I was in college. You know, say for example, you're in an English class or something or maybe a history class and you have to write an essay. And more than likely it's on a topic that either A, you don't know much about because you're learning about it. Number 2, It may not be something that you actually believe in or that you agree with. You know what I mean? It's just something that you're having to learn at the moment and you have to write a paper about it. You know, for example, there is a class I took. It was a summer class. It was about communism in China. And in fact, it was more about the history of China just like intense because it was only a summer class. And so the papers that we wrote in that class I mean it was very intense. I mean just the projects we had to do. So it's one of those things that, you know, you know my teacher, he was from China, but he left for a reason. He's like I don't ever want to go back. And so what's interesting is that most of the people in my class, I was one of the few people that did not think that China was great. Most of the kids in my class that were around my age, they just kind of have this 
I don't know, starry-eyed um, opinion about China and how it's great and it's a great society. You know, they they built the Great Wall and you know they just have this starry-eyed perception of Asian culture and you know the Far East and they think that if you are from the Far East or we are discussing the Far East, then it must be all great because it's like they think that that's where all the wisdom of the world comes from and it doesn't. So it's interesting is that the professor that we had um he showed us a couple films that portrayed the actual truth about communist China and how far back basically their human rights violations go and it goes back far beyond uh, or, or further back than when communism took over China because what was really interesting is that so many of the kids in my class they were just shocked at how awful China has been to its people for like thousands of years My personal opinion just from what I gathered from that class and mind you it was just a snippet of of a culture and just of a time frame but my personal opinion is that China was a lot better off when it had an emperor as opposed to being communist or they've never really been fascist but um they've never really had true freedom except when they had an emperor and even then it was crazy it it, it was nothing like the kind of freedoms that we have today because China which you have to remember is that China has never had a true democracy or true capitalism it's fake it's absolutely fake i do think their their fake culture and their fake economy is way worse under communism as opposed to when they had an emperor but it's kind of those things kind of reminds me of russia where their people basically got rid of their emperor and their family or families i should say and what did they replace it with basically communism so you have to be careful about those things because you know just because you don't like your leader that doesn't mean that you should get rid of them especially if the alternative is something way worse so just fyi be aware of that but you know it's just one of those things that you know whenever we're we're talking about these different topics it's not always because we we absolutely agree with every little thing i mean it's kind of like you know i've talked about when i started this podcast have to admit that when i first started this podcast i had a way more positive opinion of labor unions before i actually started researching them because i i honestly thought that they they care about the workers in the same way that i care about workers and how i view workers rights come to find out we are direct opposites and so it's one of those things that knowledge really is power because knowledge opens your mind to what you truly believe in even though you may not have been aware of of the material or the subject matter you know in your heart what you believe in and and what you desire and you know what is right and you know what is wrong so it's for that reason that we pick topics that sometimes are a little painful and this one is a little painful because it's You know, ordinarily I love baseball. It's one of my favorite sports. Um I absolutely love going to baseball games. It's just that whenever I read about this association and you realize and you realize, excuse me, how crooked it is and how um these uh this association and the previous labor unions they were um started by fascists even within baseball. And that's really sad. But what you need to remember is that So many of these I'm trying to think of the best way to describe this. So many of these associations were founded towards the turn of the century. Around the turn of the century, we had quite a few fascists that immigrate here to the United States and fascism was growing 
very much so here in the United States, post-industrial industrial revolution. And so you had a lot of people that were upset at their boss or the company that they worked for. And sometimes they were rightfully irritated, other times not. But, you know, you can be irritated and mad, but it's your decision-making that's extremely relevant because it determines your fate as well as others. What disappoints me about the United States in terms of our history a little bit, it's very rare that I'm disappointed in the United States because it's, it's my homeland, it's my country. What disappoints me is how many foreigners have come to the United States and just totally tried to ruin the United States and try and dismantle what we have, especially in regards to freedoms. And that's what these fascists have done. And what's really sad is that so many of these fascists consider themselves to be great, amazing Americans, and they're not. Just because someone says they love you doesn't mean they really love you. Just because someone says they like you does not mean they actually like you. Just because someone says they agree with you does not mean they agree with you. Just because someone, you know, says they 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 appreciate your work, that doesn't mean they actually appreciate your work. And here's another thing, just because someone says they care about the United States or they love the United States, that doesn't mean that they actually do because again, the proof is in the pudding. And so that's That's why we go through all these different organizations and labor unions and trade unions is to really identify the good, the bad, the ugly. And I think it's important to realize what exactly are these organizations and what is their background. And so when I was researching um the Major League Baseball Players Association, initially I was just going to talk about that. But then when I started looking into all the different people that founded these different organizations, It was kind of jaw-dropping and not in a good way. And when I started looking at the history of this, I was very concerned. Now, this particular association was founded in 1966, but the history of it goes back to the turn of the century because you have to remember that many of these unions and associations go back over 100 years. It's just that they changed their name or maybe the previous union or association was dismantled because they couldn't get enough um traction to really get what they wanted. So they typically had to change their name. So this particular episode is going to be primarily about Major League Baseball Players Association, which is a union. And then the next one will be the previous unions that technically this association was or maybe what it was literally associate excuse me. <coughs> Sorry, my my throat is dry. What it was originally associated with before it became this particular association. Cuz again this association was founded in 1966 but there were like three or four previous uh unions that came before this one it's just that they got dissolved um because they they didn't accomplish much and I'm kind of surprised they did not accomplish much but because they're fascists and they're not uh pro America they're not for the United States they think their labor is more important than everybody else's and guess what it's not because when you have true equality within your country no one's better than somebody else that doesn't mean that everybody makes the same wages that doesn't mean that everybody lives in the same location that doesn't mean that everybody drives the same type of car all those things i just mentioned are exactly what happened in the USSR the Soviet Union the Soviet Union that's why you have to be careful about communism because communism as well as fascism and socialism they make all these promises They make all these promises that they can't keep and the reason why they can't keep them is because it's about basically taking away your taking away your rights not only as a citizen but as a worker. 
And yet, if you look at the symbols of the USSR, the Soviet Union, oh man, they use the sickle, they use the hammer, they have these plump, uh, I would say plump, uh, plump peasants, <laughs> hard to say. They have these very um, robust peasants that look all happy, they're blonde, their their teeth are white, and they all look super happy with the labor that they're doing in the fields. Nothing could have been further from the truth, especially in the USSR. Millions of their citizens died from massive starvation, and that's not including the ones that were murdered by their government because their their leaders were crazy, especially Stalin. So, it's kind of sometimes you have to take these things with a grain of salt, but it's important to see the whole picture. So, needs to say one of the reasons why we refilmed and refilmed and refilmed this particular episode is because we we came across so much more than what. we originally thought we were going to discuss and i i was like well i made a executive decision to just be like okay we're going to talk about this today but we're going to follow up on these other associations or labor unions that actually preceded this one and we're going to talk about some of the major key figures that kind of started these proponents because i think it's important to get the whole picture because it, you know you know when i first came across the major league baseball uh baseball or sorry major league baseball players association i was initially like yay i love baseball this is going to be so much fun i i bet this isn't going to be corrupt at all i was totally wrong <laughs> you know i knew the nfl was basically corrupt their organization their union this one i was very surprised in regards to baseball but you see here's the thing even i can kind of have a deer and and headlights kind of thing or be all starry eyed and think oh because i love baseball and I have certain teams that I like and certain players that I follow and that I appreciate their god-given talent sometimes you you just get starry-eyed and, and you don't well you you don't know what you don't know is what it is and so that's why we we kind of took our time on this one and we want to make sure that we are doing our best work because I don't believe in being sloppy or lazy <coughs> excuse me let me get your water I apologize got home from work and I I'm a little tired so let me get let me get a drink of water. So anyway, my voice is a little hoarse. But anyway, so this is why we're we're kind of taking this episode slow because we found so much more data and information. And we will as usual let you know where you can find this. This is nothing new. This is readily available online. I did not write this stuff. So, a little bit of housekeeping before we dive in. Um a jerk wrote me on YouTube and his comment got flagged by YouTube anyway because it was a a what's it a spam I was going to say scam but spam and the guy was just being a jerk and he wrote me like a big old essay and he was just being horribly mean and was just like kind of jaw dropping kind of acting like a know-it-all and it's like dude I'm not going to redo my podcast for you like that's not how this works and so just FYI the material that we get It is readily available online. And we did not write any of this. If ever we write something, we say, "Hey, this is directly from us." Otherwise, we say exactly where our sources are or where they're from or where this comes from, I should say. And so it just really I know the guy is a scammer, but and he's a troll and he needs a new hobby. But I just want to be very clear that This is a show that is entertainment driven, but it is more documentary based. It's more informative based or information based. So, is it perfect with its facts? No. No. 
I can't think of anything that is perfectly factual. I mean, even the news like CNN or Fox News or MSNBC, even they make mistakes. And I'm not excusing it. I'm just saying that there is a clear difference between writing a research article and then just just presenting material. This is not a research project that we're working on. This is just material that, you know, I happen to have a passion for because I very much believe in workers' rights. And so the material that we find, it's just it's just that. It's what we find. Like I didn't write any of this. My show is copyrighted to me because of the things I talk about. Because this is more opinionated. It's more commentary. So this is copyright for my podcast, but the material that I'm reading from, anybody can get a hold of it. Anybody can read it. Anybody anybody can form an opinion about. So this show is not like an encyclopedia. You know, we are not a research project. That is not the purpose of this show. This show is specifically to put a spotlight on different things that affect workers' rights and our labor and our wages. And so whenever you're talking about something like that, unless I'm reading a federal document, a lot of this is I wouldn't say it's 100% accurate, but it's more like 95 to 98% accurate because there there can always be mistakes with these things. And so that's why whenever we come across a mistake, whether it's something that I misspoke or misread it or maybe we got material that turned out to be completely the opposite of what we thought, or maybe we came across a correction later that's why we always say hey just FYI we need to do a little bit of housekeeping this is what this actually is and this is the mistake that we made or this is the mistake that someone else made in the article and the writer has corrected that so i just want to mention that because i i think sometimes people they they misinterpret things but it's it's only one out of like thousands that have misinterpreted my podcast <laughs> so Um I just want to be clear about that because it bothered me but at the same time I'm like well the guy's a scammer you know why should I give a rat's posterior here's why I care it's because it's my show it's my work I take it seriously and as I've said in times past everything I do I do with integrity and we are always open and honest and we say it like it is on this show I mean if you've listened to this show even one time even just for like the first 10 or 15 minutes of of a episode you know straight up that we say it like it is and we don't hold back and if ever we make a mistake in something we correct it as quickly and as soon as we become uh, made aware of it so i would think that that would speak true to our intentions and that our intentions are good and that everything we do we do with integrity so just fyi be aware of that and if you're a scammer please don't contact me because we will put a spotlight on you. <laughs> I won't mention your name because I I don't care to give you free advertising whatsoever. Um but I think it's important to say it like it is and to talk about these things because I I'm really I don't want to say I'm sick and tired. It, I'm just saying that it gets old when people are mean and it's like, you know, if you don't like this pa- podcast, fine. Don't like it, don't listen to it. I'm not offended. I'm not offended at all. What what bothers me is when people are hateful, even when they're lying about me. When it's when it's hateful, it just it just bugs me a different way, and I think it bugs me because I'm very black and white, yes and no. And I will say this, and you know, I'm only speaking for myself here on this, but you know, when I was younger, I I can easily say I was very sensitive in terms of my feelings, 
And I, I kind of didn't realize that, <coughs> excuse me, until I got into my 30s. And I was like, you know, I just can't afford to wear my feelings on my sleeves like that. I can't afford to have my heartstrings pulled this way or that way. And, you know, I thought I was pretty resilient. And maybe it's just because I've gotten older that I recognize things. But it just... It just always bugs me when people are mean and hateful because I do not expect that from other human beings. I, I just don't expect that. So for the most part, whenever someone's behavior is bad and it's geared towards me, I find it to be very shocking because I look at it this way. I'm a 39-year-old woman living in Oklahoma City, Oklahoma. I, I, I mean, I'm not, I'm not saying that I'm not important because I think everybody on this planet is important, but... I'm just saying that for someone to tell me off online, I, I, I'm not even as popular as Joe Rogan or, or Russell Brand or, you know, basically the, the Tonight Show or, you know, some of these other shows. I'm just like, I guess I should be complimented that someone wasted their time by writing me a huge essay. <laughs> I mean, really, even if it was really weird. Um, but it's just... If you have that kind of time and you have that kind of negative energy, I think you need to rethink your life and your intentions. And what exactly are you living for? Like, are you living to be mean or are you living to be nice and kind? I mean, I just, I don't understand bad behavior. I mean, I've worked with a lot of people over the years, probably up in the thousands now. And um, I still don't understand bad behavior because I, I don't behave that way. I just don't. Like, I don't get it. And I guess that's a good thing that I don't get it because, you know, I am the, the CEO of, of a company and, you know, I have my own podcast. And I, I guess it's a good thing that I don't understand hate because I don't operate in hate and I don't believe in hate. So just FYI, be aware of that because, again, it goes back to everything I do, I do with integrity. And that is just how I live my life. That's how I roll every single day of my life, even if it means that my feathers get ruffled. I, you know, I look at it this way. I'm not going to settle for less than God's best. I'm just not going to. And that's not me being religious. That's just me saying it like it is. And that's just what I believe. And that's how I live my life. Because I've noticed that whenever you, you lower the bar as opposed to raising it, that leads to a whole lot more problems. And I recognize that as a child. I'm like, well, instead of lowering my standards, I'm going to raise my standards. I'm going to make them so difficult for other people to meet. And I don't mean that negatively. Not at all. Here's the thing. I think it's better to do your best than to do your worst. That's just what I truly believe in. I, I think it's better to do your best than to do your worst. And so here's the thing. Whenever you, you expect the best out of people, that's a sign of a really good leader. And I did not realize that about myself until I got to be in my 30s. That I'm actually a leader and I'm really good at it. And I'm really good at spotting bad people and bad situations and And I know how to handle those things, but it's one of those things that, you know, if I had settled for less than God's best and if I had lowered my standards as opposed to raise, as opposed to raising my standards, excuse me, then I would not be where I am today. I mean, it has been a tough road. I mean, life is not always easy. It's, it's better when you have Jesus on your side. I'll say that. And when you, and when you pray to the God of Abraham, I think those are beautiful, wonderful things to do. But, it, but if you don't have That strong sense of character and that strong compass of like your moral compass. It's kind of like it doesn't matter how good a leader you are because you will never measure up to what you should be if you don't have a good moral compass is my point. 
excuse me, but anyway, I just wanted to kind of go over that because we've been gone for almost two weeks now uh, from the podcast. But anyway, let's dive into this. So again, a big shout out to Virginia, Oklahoma, California, New York, Texas, Pennsylvania, British Columbia, Florida, Illinois, Oregon. Uh, let's see here, Georgia, West Virginia, Indiana, New Jersey, Massachusetts, Ohio, Minnesota. I love how you guys say your say your state, Minnesota. I love that Minnesota. I love that accent. And then Alabama, you guys are awesome. I love your accent, Alabama. I love that. You guys are so cool. Uh let's see here. Big shout out to Washington, Nebraska, Arizona, Utah, Colorado, District of Columbia, also known as DC, aka the Swamp. Let's drain it. Mississippi. I've heard some people from Mississippi. They say it Mississippi. They say it like that. That is so cute. I love it. I love you guys' accents. You you guys are awesome. Then a big shout out to Kansas, North Carolina, Tennesseans. You guys have a very interesting way of saying it as well. You say Tennessee, you kind of go up on the end of it. I think that's so cool. Then you have Rhode Island, Louisiana, Nevada, Maryland, New Mexico, Michigan, Iowa, New Hampshire, Alberta, Ontario, New Brunswick, Wisconsin, Connecticut, Manitoba, Hawaii, Newfoundland and Labrador, which of course is in Canada. In terms of countries, United States, Singapore, Canada, the Russian Federation, the United Kingdom, Australia, the Netherlands, India, Niger, Slovakia, Japan, South Africa, Denmark, Uzbekistan, Uh, the Federated States of Micronesia, good to see you guys. The Philippines, Bangladesh, Hong Kong, China, and Lithuania. So big shout out to all of you. And that's not all the countries that are listening in. Those are just the ones that are pulling up from like the last seven days um, for my listeners, or 30 days. I take that back. That's the last 30 days of people or countries or areas that have been listening listening in. So good to see all of you. We love you very much. Do check out our YouTube channel. We are posting videos there as well. So just check that out because I love YouTube. I love to listen to videos like as I'm like eating dinner or you know, just chilling at home. I don't always need to watch something, but I can listen to it. So that's typically what I do. Sometimes YouTube is kind of my own little personal radio. That's just kind of how I view it sometimes. But anyway, um, we were discussing the Major League Baseball Players Association. It was founded in 1966. It's headquartered in New York, New York. It has two locations. I'm not a fan of this. The United States and Canada. And so that tells me that we have some Canadian players or maybe this is becoming a, a, a uh, what's it called, an international labor union. I'm not a fan of that because Canada has totally different laws. Again, I've met some great Canadians over the years. I'm talking about their actual government and their rules, laws and regulations as well as their legislation in regards to workers' rights. It's not always that great. And it is completely different than the United States. Why? Because Canada is socialist and we are not. In terms of members, there are about 1,200 major league members, major league baseball players, I guess you could say. And then there is about 5,500 minor league, so very interesting there. But it says, oh, by the way, I'm reading from Wikipedia, and this has several different sources. So this is, there's about da, 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 28 different references, and I'm also going to read from their website. And the website, uh, not just Wikipedia, but the Major League Baseball Players website, it's mlbplayers.com, and that's where most of this information comes from. So just because I'm reading from, from Wikipedia or maybe some other source, a lot of this is coming from this this uh, entity's website. So again, it's out there, it's available, it is what it is. If you like it, great. If you don't, I, I can't really help you with that. Maybe drink a Dr. Pepper or something or drink a beer. But um 
this is readily available material and it's it's pretty legit. So, I mean, I looked it over. I was like, "Okay, I get it. I like it. I think it's cool because I learned so much from this as well." So it says the Major League Baseball Players Association, also known as MLBPA, is the labor union representing all current Major League Baseball players, all players, managers, coaches, and athletic trainers who hold or have held a signed contract with a major league club, which is like a team, right? Like the Yankees, you know, whatever the case may be, are eligible for membership in the association. The MLBPA has three major divisions. Number one, a labor union. Number two, a business, which is the Players Choice Group Licensing Program. And a charitable foundation, which I'm not a fan of this. It's the Major League Baseball Players Trust. To me, it just looks like a slush fund for millionaires, and I'm not a fan of that. Um, I'm not against millionaires. I think millionaires are great. Mi- most millionaires are really awesome people because usually most millionaires, let, let me put it this way, Most wealthy people are self-made. Major League Baseball players are not self-made. They are overpaid whiners that throw and hit a ball or catch a ball. These people are not self-made millionaires. Like they don't own a business. They try and act like they own the owner's team and the club and that's the problem with this one. That's why this association is very fascist. Yeah, the players And my my joy say fascist. I'm talking about going back to like the turn of the century as well. Is it still fascist today? Yes. But the reason why it is fascist today is because of its founding years ago around the turn of the century. Like it's it this is nothing new. Basically, you have the workers or these players saying, "Hey, I want a bigger piece of the pie, but I shouldn't have to work more." Basically, you you're you're shaking the owner or the company down for more money that you don't actually deserve. And my four people being rich? Yeah, I love that. I think that's great. But it should be warranted. It should be earned. These people, these players, they don't deserve it because they haven't really earned it. Basically, they want full-time pay as a rich person but only work part-time hours. Hmm, what does that remind me of? Greece, Portugal, Spain, very lazy workers. awesome cultures in terms of if like you're visiting but in terms of their currency it sucks in terms of their labor force extremely weak in terms of their taxes extremely high in terms of how they think it's very socialist so that's why there are problems with this um the MLBPA primarily serves as a collective bargaining representative for all major league baseball players as well as playing significant roles and MLB related business and nonprofit affairs. Basically the photo ops that say, "Hey, we care about community, but they really don't because they just want your money in terms of when you buy a baseball ticket." So be aware of that or the paraphernalia like the shirt, the baseball hat, you know, whatever the case may be. It says on August 28, 2022, the MLBPA publicly launched a campaign to help minor league baseball players unionize. I'm not a fan of that at all. You have more people whining and complaining about something that they don't even own. Um on September 9th, 2022, uh, MLB voluntarily recognized the MLBPA as the union for over 5,500 union or sorry, 5,500 minor league baseball players playing rookie ball to AAA. I'm not a fan of that. Like they're they're not even major league baseball players and yet they're unionizing. Come on now. That's basically they want the money. They want the money. They want to be millionaires. Who doesn't? But I mean, you have to earn that. It has to be justified. 
I mean, otherwise, just go out and win the uh, win the lottery, which I'm all for that. If you want to win the lottery, by all means, do so. But don't make the rest of us suffer for it. You know what I mean? Basically, what these baseball players are doing is they're raising the price of tickets and basically raising the price of the franchise. And that would be like if if people that played the lottery wanted to take the lottery away from the states, but yet they're raising the prices so that basically. average everyday people cannot afford a lottery ticket. That's what these players are doing whenever they become unionized. They're raising the cost of goods, but yet they're not providing more they're not providing more goods, at least ones that would be worthy of like a $1000 ticket or something. Hold on, let, let me get a drink of water. Okay, so talking about the players choice group licensing. It says the MLBPA's uh players choice group licensing program utilizes collective mar- marketing to assist licensees and sponsors who want to associate their brands and products with that of major league players, teams and coaches. I'm not surprised by that. Through an individual agreement with with each player, MLBPA holds exclusive right to use, license and sub-license the names, numbers, nicknames, likenesses, signatures and other personal insignia, kind of like I guess publicity rights. you know things of that nature of active major league baseball players who are its members for use in connection with, with any product brand service or product line when more than two players are involved so basically it is it is a company but it's also a brand so here's the thing unions they don't understand that there is supply and demand so what they don't understand is that if supply and demand is not where it needs to be for you to make a profit ordinarily you would not get paid more money but under these unions they get paid as much as they can squeal about even though there may not be a supply and demand there to justify the pay raise that's where unions make their biggest mistake in that it's like they make everybody suffer for for their wants and their desires and that's not how america was founded at all and that's not how workers rights are and that's not how the private sector works because basically you have a union that's behaving like a federal agency but yet they operate in the private sector So that's why this is an issue. Um it also says among its other functions the players choice licensing program also protects the rights of players from exploitation by unauthorized parties. Good luck exploiting anyone from this because they have a pretty tight leash. In terms of affiliations, unfortunately this association is affiliated with the AFL-CIO. I'm not a fan of that because they're pretty fascist themselves and they're really large. It's kind of like a monopoly. So what I do get concerned with on this is that, you know, monopolies are supposed to be illegal in the United States, but but unfortunately, labor unions, they never get called out on for forming their own monopolies. And, you know, monopolies are illegal, and you would think the Federal Trade Commission or the Securities Exchange Commission would call them out on it, but they don't because so many of these unions are in the back pocket of Democrats. And so the odds of Democrats saying, "Hey, you shouldn't behave like this" is pretty low because they want the money. So basically Democrats sell their soul to the devil for the sake of money and baseball players are definitely no different. Um in regards to the Major League Baseball Players Trust, that's their little charity that it's a slush fund for them. Major League Baseball Players also formed the Players Trust, a charitable foundation that is the first of its kind in professional sports. Who really cares? I mean, my goodness, just pat yourself on the back. Through the Players Trust, major leaguers 
contribute their time, money, and fame to call attention to important issues affecting those in need and to help encourage others to get, to get involved in their own communities. Well, that's basically telling the rest of us that we're morons and we don't know how to live in society. See, that's where the arrogance comes from from these people. They operate in in terms of that elitism. Basically, they're like, "Oh, well, I make more money than you. I have more fame than you, so you must be a stupid moron and you must not know how to volunteer in your city or town." That's not true. If anything, the American people know way more than these baseball players. Way more. And we do a whole lot more for our communities and without having to have a photo op to make it look cool or be cool or or to get a pay raise. So, I'm not always a fan of charities or foundations because what you need to remember is that foundations are typically run or managed by bureaucrats. So they're basically professional paper pushers and a lot of them have a board. They have like a board of trustees, that kind of thing or board members. Most of them most foundations have have board members that are paid to be there. So they are collecting a salary basically just to meet up and have wine and cheese. Well, don't we wish we all could do that? I mean, my goodness. So just because someone has a foundation that doesn't mean that it's always on the up and up. And here's the thing, this is going to sound offensive but it's not meaning to. Uh sometimes rich people make the mistake of of starting a foundation or donating to a foundation just for the sake of taxes and that they're not really donating because they believe in it. It's because they don't want to pay as much in taxes. Well, that's cheating the federal government and the American people out of tax dollars that should have been paid. Now, here's the thing. I'm not against rich people. In fact, rich people, most of them are pretty cool, and most of them pay the bulk of taxes in this country. But what sucks is whenever they get involved with a charity or a foundation, particularly these foundations, you know, like the Clinton Foundation, things like that, and you know, we will go through all these different foundations because so many of them are corrupt and evil and they're not really there for what you think they're supposed to be there for. It's really weird. But anyway, so many of these foundations, they're just a personal slush fund. And so it's like because they they get the photo op, people fall for whatever they say. It's like no, you need to question those things. You need to question it. But moving on, it says many programs, including buses for baseball, city clinics, medicines for human humanity. Sorry, my hick accent every once in a while comes out. Almost said humanity. It's humanity. <laughs> Sorry. Wow. Uh, I'm from a small town initially, but um, I'm living in Oklahoma City, so my accent is slowly fading, and I'm thankful for that. Um, the Players' Choice Awards, Volunteers of America, and MLB players STEM league are funded through the foundation. I would just say follow the money. It's probably not always going where you think. Um, there's another thing they have that's called Action Team. In 2003, the Major League Baseball Players Trust and Volunteers of America created the Action Team National Youth Volunteer Program to recruit and train high school students to become volunteers in their communities. Well, um young people don't really need help becoming volunteers. If anything, young people already have that natural desire to do so. So it's kind of like, you know, I think it's just one more way for these this group of people to get more of your money. It's like, oh, supposedly young people don't know what they're doing. Actually, young people are just miniature adults that just haven't grown up yet. I know from being, you know, super young at one point in time, I already knew how to volunteer and I just went out and did it. I didn't need someone to teach me or coach me or I didn't need someone's permission unless it's like, you know, you're helping with little children or things like that, then of course you would need permission, but I'm just saying that young people they are more likely to help than older people. That's my point, cuz typically older people they tend to be bitter 
Well, either bitter or busy or both. <laughs> so that's just kind of how it is. Then you move on to this last part. I'm not a fan of this at all. It says Players' Choice Awards. This thing's a crock. It says the Players' Choice Awards is an award ceremony held to recognize each season's best performers as chosen by the players themselves. So basically they just pat each other on the back and they just vote for each other. Wow, it's like a frat house. It says each Players' Choice Awards winner designates the charity of his choice to receive a grant from the Players' Trust. So again, more slush money. So follow the money, folks. In terms of a little bit of history, now some of these are are the, are the organizations that we're going to discuss in future episodes because this organization, the Major League Baseball Players Association is not the original one, but the idea and the concept of a union or a association for baseball players goes back, like I said, to the turn of the century, mostly founded by fascists or influenced by fascism, which is really sad and it sucks, especially for the United States because we're not fascists. never have been never will be uh, but it says the MLBPA was not the first attempt to unionize baseball players earlier attempts include number 1 the brotherhood of professional baseball players and that was in 1885 founded by John Montgomery Ward kind of a fascist then and let's see we have the players protective association that was in 1900 then you, number 3 you have the fraternity uh, fraternity of professional baseball players of america that was in 1912 Number 4, you have the National Baseball Players Association of the United States. That was founded in 1922 by Raymond Joseph Cannon, also a fascist, and I think that was I try to remember if it was him or somebody else as a Democrat politician, so you know it's going to be shady and a weasel. Then the fifth one is the American Baseball Guild. That one was founded in 1946 and that one was founded by a lawyer, Robert Murphy, not a big fan of him, and we'll discuss him in another episode. In terms of leadership, one of their original presidents, this was before they were a union, was Bob Feller. He was their president from 1956 to 1959. Then you have Frank Scott, he was their executive director from May 1, 1959 to 1966. Now, once they became unionized, They've had several different directors, which is good. Um, let's see here. The first one was Ken Moffat. He was their executive director from December 9th, 1982, to November 22nd, 1983. Then you have Marvin Miller. He was the interim executive director from November 22nd, 1983, to uh, December 9th, uh, 1983. So short, but it is what it is. Then you have Donald Fair. He was the acting director from December 9th, 1983 to December 1st, 1985. Then he became the actual director on December 1st, 1985 to June 22nd, 2009. I think that's too long of a period of time to be the director. I think you need a change of management. I think you need term limits, obviously. Then you have uh, Michael, I think it's Weiner or Weiner, how how we pronounce that name, whether it's German. Let's see. He was the director from June 22nd, 2009 until November 21st, 2013. Then you have the current director, which is Tony Clark, and he has been the director since December 2nd, 2013. So I'm not going to go I'm not going to go through every single era. It talks about that, but I don't think it's really relevant uh, to that. So if you want more information about that, you can definitely go to their website, whether Wikipedia or the Major League Baseball Players Association's website as well. Um but I would say that one of the major contentions which I do agree with them uh, on this this association this is the one thing I agree with them on is that the owners try to make it so that the players are always in a perpetual in a perpetual contract excuse me so that the players can never switch teams at least this is how it was back in the day they could never switch teams and they could never try and get more pay 
that is completely wrong. The owners really screwed up with that, and I think it's very sad that it, it came to that point. But you know, it's one of those things that the players did not have to form an association. All they had to do was just not sign the contract and demand a better contract and get an arbitrator. Now that now they have arbitrations, but it also goes through their contract bargaining agreements. So they don't. Let me put it this way: you don't have to be fascist to get what you want, because sometimes what you want is not always appropriate. So just be aware of that. Um, in terms of their some of their initiatives here, it says there was a joint drug agreement. It says the joint drug agreement went into effect December 2011, and is scheduled to terminate December 1st, 2016. The same day as the basic agreement, the prohibited substances section of the joint drug agreement is updated annually. So I kind of find it interesting that they have this kind of issue because they've been doing steroids for a long time. So many of the baseball players that it, you know, they look like they have a great record or they're super talented. Many of them were steroided up, especially from the 80s and 90s and 2000s. So many of their records are false in their lies. So, not a fan of that. I think that if you cannot perform in the way that you should, or the, the way that you used to, maybe that's a hint you need to do something else with your life and not get steroided up. So, you know, I, I don't like liars and cheaters, and using steroids is lying and cheating, unless you are, you know, suppressing the immune system because your immune system is overreacting. We're talking about different steroids here. The steroids we're talking about are those that greatly inflate your muscles. To an extent that you could not naturally get that large on your own is the thing. Then they have a domestic violence policy. In August 2015, Major League Baseball and the MLBPA reached an agreement on the joint domestic violence, sexual assault, and child abuse policy, and is intended to provide a comprehensive policy addressing issues such as protecting the legal rights of players, uh, treating violations seriously. Holding players accountable through appropriate disciplinary measures and providing resources for the intervention and care of victims, families, and the players themselves.、Um, I find that to be very odd that they have something like this when they've had a few instances where baseball players have、uh, raped women, but they have never been held accountable and they've never gone to jail for sexually assaulting young women. So I, I just think it's kind of a cop out. It kind of reminds me of the NFL. Where they had like they made a stupid video about、um, domestic violence and basically it's like a public service announcement. It's like they're trying to put guilt on the rest of us. It's like okay, we're not the ones that were beating women. You were, you know, the NFL players. You were the ones who were beating up your girlfriends, just pummeling them and beating up your wives. And so it's like okay, maybe you should. Watch your own public service announcement. Stop lecturing the rest of the United States for for what you actually did, not what we did. And it was very,、um, it was a very stupid thing. Like no one took that ad seriously, and it was just really annoying because it's like, okay, are are you going to take your own pill there? You know what I mean? It's just kind of like you can't really blame other people for what you're doing. It's kind of like you know. Why are you preaching to us when you have not removed the splinter from your own eye? I mean. Get a clue, but that is exactly how a lot of these、um, athletes are. That's just how they are. They they love to think that they are the be all in all, and yet they they are the ones that are causing some of these problems. And what's really sad, and I'll close with this: many of these athletes are, especially male athletes, they are looked up to by young men and little boys, even if these 
young men or little boys don't know these athletes personally. They look up to them and they want their lifestyle and they just view them as like a little I guess a demigod or something and they just like worship these guys. I mean, hopefully not literally, but they just kind of there's too much fascination I find with with athletes and with sports. And you know, like I think being athletic is great and playing a sport is wonderful, but it's supposed to teach you character. It's supposed to teach you camaraderie. Strangely enough, those are two things that are not very um they're not very they're not taught very much and it's not practiced very much here in the United States within our sports programs, especially at the college level, much less the professional level. So it's interesting is that a lot of these guys um they they basically get a silver spoon whenever they become an athlete, especially for a college and then they get recruited by a very professional team. It's like they never get called out on their bad behavior, especially towards women and children. And here's the thing, they still get millions of dollars because I don't understand why our society values sports more than family or or more than well even more importantly than family, you know, faith and doing what's right. You know, you know being a gentleman and, and being a good citizen, you know, you know being a a good provider, you know, be, being a a man. You know, there there's so many guys. They I don't mean to be overly blunt, but there's so many guys they think that just by getting laid and excuse my language, but they think that by getting laid that makes them a man. That does not make you a man. It does not. Just because you can have sex does not mean that you should have sex. Sex is supposed to be reserved for marriage. What's interesting is that a lot of these guys, especially younger guys, they don't realize that these bad behavior traits that they are participating in and these really raunchy lifestyles or kind of skanky lifestyles they are participating in, it is creating a very disturbing foundation for basically all of their future relationships with any and all women, whether it's their wife or you know maybe when they are raising daughters. because you are programming your brain one way or another so program it correctly. You know, I'll give an example. So, like just think about how much how much pornography is a problem here in the United States and how many men have a pornography addiction. It's really sad. And it's like, you know, I wish more men would speak up about the dangers of pornography because it is a very dangerous lifestyle. it is a, a very dangerous form of, of entertainment and it's not entertainment it's 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 sex trafficking it's a sex trade and what's interesting is that there's so many men they're like well this is just what i do at my home this is what i do in the dark you know this is how how i spend time alone and you know, here's the thing there's so many marriages that fail because of pornography addiction basically on behalf of the man. Are there some women that have pornography addictions? Yes, but it's minuscule compared to men. And what really sucks about pornography, and I've heard this from both men and women, that whenever you get involved in pornography, the the real sex that you're having that let me rephrase that. The real sex that you are having or love making or or procreation that you are participating in, it's never enough because you have an addiction so you are constantly comparing the person that you're supposed to be in love with hopefully your spouse 
You're constantly comparing them to someone that's not even real in these videos. And some of these porn videos, even though they may be like five minutes long or an hour long, whatever the case may be, some of them are now artificial intelligence. Like it's not even, they're not even real people, especially the, these women that, you know, they look real. Some of them are not even real. They're just computer generated and it's artificial intelligence. So it's really sad because you're, you're feeding your brain something that it should never be fed. You know, if you want to have sex, that's great, but it needs to be confined to marriage because that is the intention of it. You know, I find, you know, what I find to be very interesting is that whenever people take something out of the holy will of God, it immediately becomes perverted, disturbing, and pretty much sexualized. And that is not, that is not and was not God's intention ever. Ever, ever, ever. And for anyone that's listening and is a prude, you know, this is not meant to be graphic, not by any means. And I don't think what I'm saying is graphic. I'm just saying it like it is. If you want to have sex, that's great. But you need to be married. You need to be married. It needs to be one man, one woman. Not two women, not two men. Because that's not holy matrimony. And if that ruffles feathers, hey, I guess that's, that is what it is because I'm not going to apologize for that because I'm not going to apologize for the word of God. I'm not going to apologize for, for what I believe in and for, and for what I know to be good and true. Because what's really sad is whenever people participate in things that they are not supposed to participate in and then they wonder why their lives are miserable. Like there was one guy, I've mentioned this before, he is a either a son or a grandson of someone that um, my mother and I know from from church. And we don't go to the same church anymore but because um, I'm, I'm of a different religion. But um, it was either the son or the grandson of this lady that we know. And he ended up committing suicide. And what led to it was pornography. So initially he had a great marriage. He had, I think, like two or three kids or something. And the more porn he watched, the worse his own sex life got. Like he couldn't perform and he was very dissatisfied with his wife. And he has an awesome wife, awesome, awesome family. And, um, you know, it's like he just got so wrapped up in porn that it destroyed his marriage. And he was a young guy. He's in his 30s, like around my age. He was young and, and did this stupid, horrible thing. So he got so addicted That whenever he would come home from work, he would just immediately go to the bedroom or wherever, office, bedroom, whatever, and just start watching porn. And I think eventually he lost his job. I remember if he lost his apartment. No, I don't think he lost his apartment, but um, they found him dead in his apartment because he committed suicide. So what's sad is that the more involved he got in porn, the more he could not perform in the bedroom, okay, then, he, you know, he, he was never satisfied with his wife. Then him and his wife separated. Then they got divorced. And then he committed suicide. So I just wish more men would tell other men, hey, you shouldn't live that kind of life. You, you should not get involved in things that, that are detrimental to your mental health, your physical health, your, your, your spiritual health, basically your soul, your emotional health. And also your, your body. And then, and then your, your relationships with your family and your friends. 
You know, all those things are worth guarding and protecting. And I understand there are addictions and there's lust and you know, it can always seem greener on the other side. It can always seem that way. But you know what? A lot of times, most of the time in fact, when you get to the other side, it's not as green as you think it is and it was just a mirage. And then by the time you get to the other side because you think it's greener, that's when you've lost everything. and it's really a tragedy when those things happen but that's what happens whenever you're not guarding and protecting your heart and your mind and your soul and that is a battle that takes place every day it's not something that's just for the young or just for the old it can happen anytime anywhere it's just how it is you have to guard and protect your mind your heart and your soul and also your thoughts you know hence your mind You need to guard you need to guard and protect those because they belong to you. They don't belong to anybody else. And if you want to be truly happy, truly successful, and truly have peace in your life, you need to value what you are supposed to guard and protect. And then you you need to guard and protect those things that only belong to you and that mean so much to you so that way you can be a better version of yourself. And so that way you can enjoy your life and not throw it away for anything or anyone. And I say for anything or anyone because sometimes people make the the mistake of living their life just for somebody else or living their life just for the event. Like, you know, for example, just living for sports or just living for money. Sports and money are not evil in and of themselves, but if you place it above yourself or even worse above God, then you're making that your god. So only worship the god of Abraham which includes the father the son the holy spirit which of course the son is Jesus Christ our lord but what i'm saying is that when you have your priorities in in check and you have them in order your life will be so much better you you will not feel burdened and plus here's the thing the more you resist this bad stuff the easier your life will get and you won't be as tempted as you were it takes time but you can definitely get there so hopefully um some of these major league baseball players will stop hitting their wives and beating stop beating their girlfriends and stop cheating on their wives and um maybe practice some more due diligence and some character building skills in their life especially in their career because what i find to be very interesting with athletes is that they typically focus so much on their career that it's it's like they're exempt from being a normal human being and from having appropriate normal behavior and it's like wow you totally missed the mark on that like used to the more successful you were the greater the responsibility you had to be a person that that controlled your mind your will your emotions because you had you know the greater the responsibility you know you're you're supposed to be able to to step up to the plate so to speak and to be able to handle it. But if you're still acting like some stupid frat guy, but yet you're in your 30s or 40s, you've got some big problems there and that's very unfortunate because you know, getting older is supposed to be fun. It's it's supposed to be a joy. But there are some people, especially athletes, especially men, it's like they always want to be 20 years old. It's like good luck with that. You know, do, do you want to you know get old and and wake up to the fact that hey you've become a dirty old man I don't think so but sometimes that does happen and sometimes I I've met some dirty old men excuse me and um it always disgusts me because it's like wow um you totally could have been a gentleman but you chose not to be one 
So that, to me that's very unfortunate because I think everybody has the possibility to do great things in their life. It's just they choose not to do so. And I do understand there are circumstances and things that happen, but that's no excuse. And I don't mean that harshly, but we all go through stuff. It's like I said times past, we all we all have a violin, but not everybody plays it at the same level. So just be aware of that. Um but I will go ahead and end it there for this lovely podcast. But as usual until next time, I pray that you're happy, healthy and whole, that you have a wonderful day and a wonderful week. Thank you so much. God bless and bye-bye.